Welcome back, my friends. For new listeners just tuning in, I created The Casual Truth because connecting with people has always been an aspect that's just part of my being. Sadly, though, it took 40 years in a quarantine for me to fully realize and pursue something true to my heart. On this show, I talk with people from all around the Detroit area that simply interest me and I want to know more about. This week, I had a very interesting conversation with Sung Lee, also known as Chowdown Detroit. Chowdown is a well-known food blogger who eats probably better than all of us and who has legions of fans with a following of 125,000 Instagram followers, which doesn't even account for his other social media accounts. You know, with my guests, I never know what kind of person I'm going to be sitting down with when it comes to their personality or their demeanor, which is actually part of the fun. But I can tell you that I really enjoyed talking with Sung. He's just a normal dude, a great conversationalist, and somebody I could just hang out with any time. As a final reminder and a fair warning, I recorded this from the Corktown studio this week, which comes with all the fun background noises of motorcycles, car horns, and, <laughs> and screaming girls from the Handlebar Pedaling Pub. Anyhow, I hope you enjoy our conversation. It was really great. Make sure to follow Chowdown Detroit online. And without further ado, here he is. And where I go. Chowdown Detroit. What's up, man? How you doing? Good. Good. Glad you made it. This is great. Yeah, I love this uh, space right here. It's really nice. Yeah, it, Corktown's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, you know, every time I'm recording here, I throw it out. Plymouth Rock Recording Studio, mm-hmm. Corktown location. And uh, I'm excited to talk to you about something near and dear to my heart, food. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. before we get into it, I want people to know who you are. People just know you as Chowdown Detroit. So mm-hmm. what is your name? Uh, my name is Sung, Sung Lee. And um, yeah, that's I'm Korean. was born in Korea, but I lived in Michigan most of my life. Um, I'm a photographer. I went to CCS in Detroit. Um, and uh, I, I've always taken photos of everything I've eaten as a journal. And it just kind of spawned off to being a unofficial blogger i guess i'm i don't i don't even know what i'm called officially but <laughs> into this gigantic following you know, instagram is that a weird thing having a uh, hundred thousand followers you know watching everything you post well yeah i mean it's um i got i think i got lucky being one of the first i think i was probably one of the first at least the second or first uh food instagrammers and i think uh, i'm used to it now <laughs> But okay. in the beginning, it just kind of like snowballed really fast. So, Well, Sung, let's take a step back. You said most of your life in Michigan. Where else did you grow up? Uh, I lived in L.A. Was L.A. was my first place I ever lived when I was young. And then... Um, How many years there? Uh, about two two years, I okay. would say. And then I even lived in Nebraska for a year. Whoa. Yeah. And then uh, New York, kind of, because my dad moved there and he still lives there. But... Uh, uh, most of my life is in Michigan, okay. and I grew up in, uh, I went to high school in Lincoln Park High, Lincoln Park High, okay. and um, grew up in Down River, and that's about it, yeah. I mean, I've, I'm a Michigander, basically. That. Yeah. That's how you identify. I appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. You know, back in maybe like 2006, I, I went out to LA to, to visit a friend. It was the mm-hmm. first time I had ever been out there, mm-hmm. and I had met uh, a friend of his who said he was part of like a restaurant club, and I thought that was so peculiar. I was mm-hmm. like, wow, you guys got so many restaurants here that you're part of a club where every week you go out and <laughs> eat somewhere different. Yeah. This was before the time of Instagram. This was right. uh, before the time of social media altogether. I think mm-hmm. it was still MySpace back then. Yeah. 
Uh, you know what's funny about L.A.? No offense to my love for Detroit and Detroit, Michigan food. Here it comes. L.A. is <laughs> by far the best food city I've ever been to it's in America. You know, yeah. my, my, as I said many, time on the, many times on this show, my wife is Korean and my father-in-law, he travels for business and mm-hmm. he goes, you know, I, I mean, obviously South Korea uh, is his, his home. He's got mm-hmm. family there. He feels at home when he's there. But he's gone to L.A. and he goes, I got to tell you guys, the, the Korean food in L.A. is better than it is in, in South Korea. Uh, it is the best in America. Of course, in Korea... Food in Korea is in another level, right? Like, not, to me, <laughs> I'm biased because I'm Korean, but mm-hmm. Korean is my favorite food. Um, when I went to Korea last couple times, I've said hundreds of times, everything I've eaten in when I was in Korea, after I took a bite, I said, this is the best thing I've eaten. <laughs> Five hours later, I say, this is the best thing I've eaten. Like, I've said yeah. it, like, every day, right? Um, when I come back to America, it's really, like, it's different, uh, but if I have to say the best Korean food in America, it is definitely L.A., and I've, New York is probably second. Wow. Uh, and bold statement. Atlanta would be third. Wow. Yeah, there is a big population down there, isn't there? Right. My mom moved down there from Michigan to Atlanta. She um, We have family there. down there, too. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. It's huge. Like, uh, when my mom lived down there about 15, when she moved down there around 15, 16 years ago, it wasn't that big of a Korean population. It was, they had some. I would say one city, Doraville and Duluth, maybe had a lot of Koreans. Okay. Now it's spread so big, and I think it had a lot to do with the 2008 uh, crash, I mm. mean, the um, recession. Okay. I think what happened, for, I'm not 100% sure, is a lot of New York and L.A. people who couldn't, who lost a lot of their... Uh, business or jobs or they just can't afford to live in LA or New York they realize there's a lot of Koreans living in like Houston and Atlanta where it's cheaper down south it's much cheaper so what they would do is just if they had like a dumpling shop or some type of a Korean restaurant or whatever they were doing um, they would just move it to Atlanta because it's so much cheaper so if you go to Atlanta now which I go about four times a year four or five times a year it is Huge, like I would say, about six, seven cities in Metro North East Atlanta is all Korean town. It is just dang, gigantic. <laughs> dang, I was surprised to learn too that actually Fairfax, Virginia, just south of Washington D.C., is huge. That's that's in, probably in top five too. Really, yeah. it's one of the biggest. That's one of the biggest as well. Okay, and of course, um, it has a lot to do with colleges too. Um, there's such nice colleges in washington dc that virginia area sure like my cousin for example went to george washington i think that's in that area or some one of those schools um georgetown right she went to uh, medical school there so if you have a lot of uh if you notice even in michigan ann arbor lansing a lot of koreans there which is a college town this is what I love about like the migrations of people and it it, kind of sounds ridiculous if you know you're a student just going to u of m Mm -hmm. but they bring those food traditions with them. They bring yeah. that, and it's a comfort. It's like a sense of home. You know, mm-hmm. you go to Ann Arbor, and there's like slurping turtle, and oh my god, mm-hmm. I love that place. Um, I I think it's a uh, it's quite peculiar. I mean, in a good way though. Um, you know, going back to what we were talking about when we were talking about South Korea, I want to share some of my experiences with you. Sure. So, 
been married to my wife for a while and it was 2009 and I, we were talking about going to Korea for a long time with the family and I just broke it down to her and I go, babe, I can buy you an engagement ring mm -hmm. or we can go to Korea. What do you want to do? She goes, let's go to Korea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that's awesome. And it was great. And we went there and, and when you have family there, mm -hmm. if, if you're a, a white guy like me that doesn't mm -hmm. speak the language, it just breaks down so many barriers. And I remember these great experiences, uh, nighttime walking down these narrow streets and there's like a, a charcoal pit mm -hmm. built into the building. So you see this orange glow of glowing charcoals and the restaurants are scooping that out to put inside the grill, yeah. the grill that's gonna cook your meat. And the meat is beautiful, mm -hmm. I mean, delicious, mm -hmm. it's fresh. And uh, I had other times where uh, I, I think it was after I had drank with my father-in-law, we went out, we ate the we ate this type of soup I had never had before. It had ox blood in it. Okay. Yeah. That was a little tough because yeah. uh, when they pour the, the blood yeah. into the soup, because the soup is hot, it coagulates a little bit. Right. And then, uh, you know, I was like, oh, I don't know if I could do this, but, you know, it was spicy and you mix it with the rice. And I think it was on a sauna day. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it was before or after oh, the sauna. Oh, yeah. Korean sauna is the best. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, it, it was uh, it was a special moment. That was just two of many experiences that I've had. Oh yeah, so yeah, you experienced Korean street food, which is by far probably my favorite food in the world. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's um, you had an amazing experience. It sounds like that's that's why I think it's my favorite. You know, every time I go to Korea, first thing I want to do is just go get street food. Or there's few right. restaurants that I love there. Uh, last time I went there a couple years ago, I. I was even thinking about like, is there a way I could live here? <laughs> I loved Korea that much. Right. So really let's uh, let's slide into your your Instagram, which I okay. think is just so amazing. I mean, you said you kind of started out as almost an accidental food blogger. You just did it because you loved it, right? Yeah. I mean, I think I started it mainly as a journal um, of what I've eaten. So when I noticed that when I travel, um, what I would do when I travel, um, I would take a picture. This is even with a regular camera or even before uh, smartphones. Right. I would have a Razer phone. Remember these Razer oh, phones? Yeah. It would have like a very small camera on it. Hold up real quick. Right. My friend was one of the first guys who got like a Razer and he's like, it's only $700. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> like what? <laughs> and I would have a Sidekick or whatever phones I had back then. But even with my uh, regular digital camera, what we would do is when we travel, I would take a picture of... I always took a picture of the front of the building, whatever the name of the building is, so I remember the place. Take a picture of the menu of what I've eaten and take a picture of the food. And that was a journal, not because I wanted to post it and show everyone. Um, it's just like, if you would ask me, hey, uh, have you been to Nashville? I'd be like, yeah, I love it there. There was a place that I went that was so good. And I would forget. Like, mm -hmm. I forgot the name of the place. What was the dish? Because you're asking me to, if, if I know a recommendation, right? Right. So what I would do is I would say, oh, yeah. I would remember it by me taking pictures of everything I've eaten. That's why I take, like, a million photos when I travel. Not only do I want to remember the, the right. food and the restaurant, but I also want to remember these places. Because exactly. You know, our memory, you know, you don't always convert your short-term memories to long-term memories, <laughs> right. you know, so. So there was an app uh, that came out in 2009 or 2000, around then, before Instagram, and it was called Food Spotting. And it was, uh, 
app for your phone and a website. It's a San Francisco-based company, and it was kind of like Foursquare or something like that. Mm-hmm. And what foodspotting.com did was if, say, I took pictures of food at a restaurant, say I go to Sapino or whatever, and I take a picture, I upload it just like an Instagram, and it goes by location. So if you had a food spotting app and you were in Detroit from a visit, you open it up and it will say, 0.3 miles, there's a pizza place that this guy posted, right? With a photo of it. Right. It's actually a genius app. Yeah, you know? that sounds really good. And I'm surprised that they don't incorporate that with like Instagram now or some type of app like that now. But I mean, look, even like Google Maps, you can, you can, because there's been times where it's just like, okay, restaurants near me. Right, like right. Boom, 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 boom with photos. Right. But this is just like telling you, like if I turned on the app right now, it will say, Brooklyn Street Local will be the first one popping up because it's right by here or something like that, right? right? And right. Um, so on this app, I started just posting everything on this app. And yeah. it, I prob- probably posted like 3,000 pictures on there. And I Jeez. became one of their like top... Uh, premium. Premium. R- right. They even sent me a t-shirt. They nice. put me on their website. And uh, so once... I think they got bought out by some company and they just kind of went downhill. Got it. And... Instagram popped up, and I just went right to Instagram and Yelp. I used to do Yelp, right? Okay. I used to post. It. Like, yeah. even on Yelp right now, I probably have, like, a couple thousand pictures that I posted from 10 years ago or something, right? But uh, I just went on to Instagram, and I just started posting there, just doing the same things. Like, I've eaten at uh, Buddy's. Hey, I went to uh, Mudgies or whatever it was, and right. then... It just became like spiraled into people's commenting and liking and they're saying, asking me food questions like, where should I go to eat? And that's how it became like Child on Detroit. Sure. Ah, That's cool. What a cool story. (laughs) Um, You know, I think about it, you know, going to Yelp. I still go to Yelp now. Me too. Just because I want to see the photos Mm -hmm. and I want to look at the menu. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if there's some things that appeal to me, then great. But I'm under the impression also that restaurant owners don't like Yelp because everybody's all right. of a sudden a critic, you know, right. and like somebody didn't get their soup temperature exactly what mm-hmm. they wanted. And all of a sudden they get a one star. Mm-hmm. It's like, come on, dude. So what are you shooting with now in terms of cameras? Are you like rocking a Canon or something like that? Or are you still using your iPhone? Uh, iPhone for everything you see on my social media, it's iPhone. Okay. Um, I would I don't even remember if I ever posted a picture that's not from my phone on my Instagram or any of my social media. Um, But right now I do have a, I just switched to Fuji. Okay. That's what I'm shooting for professional work. Okay. So that's kind of what I do on the side is I shoot uh, food photography for a lot of uh, restaurants. I would just like to point out that you do have a personal page with some amazing photography. Oh, thank I'm you. I'm not yeah. talking about like aside from the food, but you know, I have some photographer friends that mm-hmm. take some excellent photos, mm-hmm. and uh, that's I all mean, I found too. And, and yeah. I I look at yours and I'm like, man, that <laughs> is that is really good as well. I just I, I kind of like slacked on that page, and um, I I was growing that. That's kind of what happened was that page came first. I started posting food photos with Detroit landscape and things like that. And that's why I switched to having my own food page is because I was posting one day an ice cream. The next day I was posting like a cool sunset. 
and then it just then flow with the theme, you know? Got it. That, I get the sense that you were posting based on what you're telling me that you were posting these photos essentially because you had an appreciation for them, you know, mm -hmm. you, you had, you know, you just had those sentimental moments and, and maybe I'm projecting my feelings towards my photos and my mm -hmm. food photos and my landscape photos onto you. But, uh, it, it, it sounds like you, you didn't necessarily want to be this, uh, a huge, maybe Instagram person with all these followers, but you just wanted to do what you loved. Would you agree with that? I do. Um, of course it feels, there is a little bit of a, some type of a social media addiction. I'm sure you heard of this where it's true. Say I'm addicted. like it's happening now with TikTok, um, mm -hmm. where one of my videos went viral and then you just get this feeling like, holy cow, you know, I just got, you know, 200,000 views on this uh, video. And then you just get this, like a feeling like adrenaline, like, right. all right, I got to do another yeah, one. Like I got to do another one. massive dopamine drip. And <laughs> right. you're like, I'm this pseudo celebrity now. You yeah. know what I mean? Everybody wants to know when I'm taking photos. Right. But that's cool at the it same is, time. It is cool. But um, I also told somebody recently that uh, asked me for an advice about doing a food type of thing, what I'm doing now, because they... You're like, don't get into my space. No, no, no. <laughs> I actually told them, uh, just don't worry about followers and likes. Just do it just because you want to do it. For example, oh. um, I told them, listen, I don't care if I have 100,000 uh, followers or 200 followers. I'm just going to, I'm still going to yeah. do it exactly the way I'm doing it now, like you know? So um, you got to like doing it because what I've seen in this Instagram, social media world is that I see ton of uh, food pages. That's, there's a million now in Detroit, yeah, you know, right. um, but I see a lot of them quit. So after they do it for like a year, like they'll become friends with me. I become friends with them and they have a name like Detroit Eats 24 seven or whatever their name sure, is. Sure. And then they'll do it consistently for like say a month and it slows down. And then they see that they're not getting thousands of followers like they think they're going to because it's oversaturated right now. Right. And they quit. Well, that's kind of like, for me, just I would still keep posting, you know? Let me tell you something, brother. If nobody listened to this podcast, yeah. I would still do it. Exactly. That's, that's how much this thing right. means to me. That's what I think you're supposed to do. Yeah, right. right. And, and I hope it translates. And look, at the end of the day, I hope I get followers. Right. And I just hope people tune into it as as a function of, you know, the the thing I'm trying to do for you or Detroit, right. you know, just, just whatever. I, I'm exploring my own curiosity. And, you know, I'd love it if people would tune in. But mm -hmm. at the same time, it kind of doesn't matter, you know. you got to have the mindset of even if five people listen to you, it's amazing. Right. Uh, I, that's what I think. If um, when I first started with Instagram and I'm like, oh my God, 15 likes with my first picture or something, <laughs> that's a big. I mean, if 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 I get one comment that says, "Hey, I went there yesterday, I went there today because I saw this yesterday," right? That's like a big deal. Right. Like, it's a big deal. Uh, it's a big deal. You know, um, you gotta kind of have that mindset of. Uh, even if five people, if you change five people's mind about going somewhere or listening to you, 
talk for an hour. Yeah. That's a pretty big deal. I love deal. that. I love that. I mean, when I, I had 50 listeners on one of my episodes. See, that's great. I was like, that's incredible. Yeah. Like people actually want to hear what I'm doing. And when yeah. I have like an uncle reach out to me and he's like, hey man, I listened to that interview. Yeah. I really liked it. He goes, I think you could improve this one thing, yeah. but I really liked it. And I was like, dang, that well, is awesome. Okay. You said 50 people listen to one of your podcasts. Imagine we're talking like this and there's 50 people in this room. That's exactly what and I'm saying. That's to me, I would get nervous right. because I'm like, that's 50 people. Right. Listening. I was like, Oh my God. One time I had a hundred and I was like, can you imagine a hundred people standing in yeah. front of your, you know, your door or to whatever? listen to your talk. To listen to and, your talk. and for me, it's like to uh, see like on TikTok or something to watch one minute video that I made, you know, like, yeah. or 30 second video I made. That's a big and, deal. And, and a minute is a long time for a short attention. <laughs> it is, it days. is. But it's interesting how you talk about how things fade away. There is a phenomenon even in podcast world called podcast fade, mm -hmm. where people just think that, you know, they, they'll have a conversation, they'll, they'll broadcast it out there. And they just think simply by making the thing that people right. are going to pick up on it, but it's much more of a hustle than right. that. You know what I mean? If you do want to uh, garner that following, right? And so, you know, I, I find with podcasts personally that people start them. There's so many podcasts now. There's like yeah, there's three million or something mm -hmm. stupid like that. But I, I find that people think they're funny or interesting mm -hmm. or their opinion matters. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? But I find that with my podcast, I'm not the most interesting person or the most funny or politically savvy, but you know, I want to shine the light on you. You know, I yeah. want people to know your story and by you telling your story, you know, I receive fulfillment from it. Well, you got a good podcast voice that really helps. Uh, why, why? Thank you. But you know, like I was listening to, uh, Joe Rogan, which everyone listens to Joe Rogan, I'm sure. Right. I kind of stopped listening to him, but the other, I think when I watched, I listened to the one with Chappelle, because mm -hmm. of, of course, anything with watch that anything one. with Dave Chappelle, I'm gonna watch it or listen right. to it. So I think they even talked about that where Joe Rogan, when he started podcast, no one was. He's been doing it. Everyone thinks he just started. Dude, he's I been I was doing it to him ten years ago. Exactly, and ten years ago there wasn't anyone really listening to right. it and it's only like what four years ago when he popped up blew up and because of youtube especially that really helped him you know yep. so he kind of did exactly like you he just kept on doing it and he i think he even said it like i would be doing this even if i wasn't Right. If I didn't have millions of people listening to it. Yeah, I think a lot of people, while we're on the topic of Rogan, didn't fully understand his origins because he would uh, he would record on a couch essentially after a comedy show mm -hmm. with his friends. They would get super stoned and mm -hmm. they would just ramble on for a couple <laughs> hours. And then eventually it spiraled into having interesting people on the show. And then, like you said, it became that progression of more and more people listening. But at the same time, Rogan was kind of this pseudo-celebrity in the sense that like, he was kind of in comedy and he was kind of into the MMA scene mm -hmm. and, you know, he was doing like Fear Factor, you know, he was a host. Right. And so his name was kind of in the public zeitgeist, so to right, speak. Right. And then eventually, you know, it, it got bigger and bigger mm -hmm. to his credit. And I think now that he made that $100 million deal with Spotify, mm -hmm. this was, you know, old news. This is a year, maybe two years ago. Right everybody is like, oh my God, if you can make a hundred million dollars, you know, that's my new lottery ticket because mm -hmm. I'm funny, but that's not the case. Right. But everybody wants a slice of that pie is the point. It's really podcasting world's so tough. Like I think Dave Chappelle was uh, promoting his own podcast because yeah. he has a podcast now. 
Everybody has a podcast. But it's uh, even me as uh, Dave Chappelle, one of his biggest fans. I go to his concerts every time he goes to shows when he comes to Detroit. I'm not listening to his podcast. No. You know, so, I mean, it's you have to... Um, you have to love it. You have to uh, find people who wants to listen to you. But once you do, then you're good. I mean, yeah. but you just have to kind of have the mindset of, I just... I don't care if I have two people listening. As long as someone's listening, it's great because it'll just kind of spiral into something bigger. Why don't you have your own podcast? Um, <laughs> as people asked me that before, and uh, I don't know. I just, I've got too much going on, I yeah, think. I hear you, man. Yeah. You know, I heard even in a, a business perspective, uh, outside of podcasts, um, you know, there's a, if, if you were to look at like a bell curve on a graph, there is a certain threshold on the the upper part of the line where it's like, I don't know, 10% to 12% or 10, 10% to 15%. And that is really that threshold barrier. How do you make that jump from, you know, 9% to 13 or, right. or somewhere in that range? There's, there's a barrier you got to get through. And I don't know if you would call it resistance. I don't know if you call it listenership, yeah. whatever that thing is, but you got to somehow jump that chasm. Yeah. Well, I'm in the podcast world. If you are kind of person that uh, interviews, like Joe Rogan, you got to have the guests that will make you go viral, you know? There was that one guy who podcasts and had Obama on it, right? Uh, shoot, I forgot. Michelle yeah. Obama has her own podcast. Well, I'm, but I'm saying there was, like a, but yeah. no, there was a small-time podcaster who actually got someone famous like yeah. Obama to come on his show. So there's this guy in Detroit, and I think he's, I don't know if he's a board member of quicken or, or he has some uh i forget his name he's a fashionable guy he's an mm -hmm. older guy he had uh tom izzo on his show mm -hmm. and that was a big deal it's like oh my god Tom Izzo and you will listen because, listen because it's got tom izzo i hate to say it right. it was the only one i listened to but <laughs> well, exactly right. i'm going viral with you brother <laughs> <laughs> i hope so <laughs> i appreciate that i'm joking yeah now. so um uh, you know going back into this thing you're doing with chow down detroit mm -hmm. I mean, the name seems pretty straightforward. I like it. Uh, you know, chow down. Awesome. Um, do you eat this this food that you, you advertise in your personal life? I do. Um, I actually wouldn't post it unless I really liked it. Nice. I, I'll give you a really good example. It happened this week. Uh, there was a place called the Lunchbox in Dearborn Heights. Okay. They've been doing everything they can to get me to come. You know, they've been posting on Facebook groups and saying, if anyone knows Child Down Detroit, tell them that he has to come. Okay, here. so they do reach out to you. Oh, I get, uh, <laughs> I get a lot of messages um, from a lot of restaurants. Sure. Or their workers telling me I have to come, or you know, emails, DMs. I get them all, all the time. So this place just kept doing all they can to get me to come. And I, so what happened was I was in that area one day, so I actually went. And I paid for my meal. I didn't tell them who I am. I ate, I sat down, and they, the owner recognized me, so oh. he came out. So I was just there to kind of research before yeah. I post about ah. you. Because if I'm not going to just come and he thinks I'm going to, say I tell, tell him, hey, I'm coming on Tuesday, 1 o'clock, then he's going to, like, what happened was the other day was that he was trying to give me more food after I paid for my meals. Uh, try this, try this. Because he, I, 
because he wants me to try more food. I'm, I don't want it, you know, like I'm not going to eat six items. <laughs> but I like that you're not being like a, a secret shopper, so to speak, you know, like uh, what, what are these uh, these awards they give to restaurants when it's like three star Michelin, you know, you write Michelin stars. Like you're not this guy that goes in undercover. No, or... I'm not a critic. I'm right. not a food critic. So I'm not going to tell people two stars or something right mm -hmm. i actually enjoyed my time there it was a really cool little spot hidden gem spot and i will i told them i would like to feature it in the future i'm gonna probably post it on my instagram like i had lunch there but if to make like a tiktok video that's a production so people don't realize one minute video for tiktok and instagram and facebook it's not like I walk in and magically everything just yeah. you make this video. I'm writing I'm writing a script. Yeah, I'm right. writing uh, I'm doing all these uh, editing that takes me takes time. Uh -huh. So I told him, yeah, I'll feature you. You know, I don't charge him or anything, but it, I need the access to everything I need. So I said, I'll come back. We'll talk about it. But I had to go there first because I don't want to say. Oh, yeah. Let me just feature your place without ever tasting you're, your food. You're, you're doing the legwork. Or That's not awesome. meeting the owner. That's really important mm -hmm. because what if he's a racist? What if he's someone who is a jerk right. or he's a, a sex offender? I don't know, you know? Yeah. So I usually have to meet with the owner, see if he's cool. I ask him a lot of questions about his personal life. Um, then I will start doing my process of supporting them working with them uh and um i need to do that research though like i'm really curious about the personal questions you ask them because no i mean I, I i ask things like oh where'd you start and you know uh, where did you where did you grow up so where not as you... intrusive just more conversational it's but just you're talking taking notes, right. right it's not it's it's not interview or anything it's just more of Wanting to get to know the person. Sure. So I'll say, oh, what high school did you go to? Oh, you went to Dearborn Heights? You went to Crestwood? Awesome. You know, I, I, used, I coached tennis. And did you play tennis? And they'll say, oh, I, I played football. Or you know what I mean? Right. These are the conversations yeah. I have. And I will ask little questions like, is your food halal or something? And they might say, you never know. What they might say, I would never do halal and support. You know what I mean? Yeah. What if they say something like race, right. something racist like yeah, that? Yeah, right. And then I'm... Imagine me supporting that, right? Yeah, right. So there's like things going on now. I'm not going to get into detail, but I'll tell you right now, there's few things going on with the, you know, there's a thing with Palestinians and yeah, is, Israel, Israelis, right? Yeah, Israelis, yeah. right? Of course. I so we're in we're that. in like the heart of the Arabic world, right? Of America, like For this, people. That this is the don't number. Know, we are the number explain. one. Uh, we have the most Muslim population in the country. In Dearborn. Dearborn is the number one right. place in, but it's not just Dearborn now because a lot of Middle Eastern people live all around Metro Detroit mm -hmm. now, um, not just Dearborn because a lot of them, a lot of them don't want to live in Dearborn now. They want to live in Sterling Heights or they want to live in Shelby Township, whatever it is. Sure. There's a lot of Chaldean community too, mm -hmm. but with the Muslim group, um, there's a thing going on with certain restaurant owners that are supporting Israel, right? Or the Israeli army, right? So now there's like this uh, drama that's going on without me. I'm not going to say who the restaurant is or names or stuff. I'm not involved 
you know, I'm neutral. <laughs> so there's a lot of things going on with that. So my point is, imagine if I ran into a restaurant owner, supported his restaurant without me not knowing anything about their background and stuff, and I would get that backlash. So right? do you tend to steer clear of all that then? Because I think well, that would be a good uh, political move. Well, I'm not calling it a political, but just mindful. I would support who I support. If I I'm if I'm supporting right now with that, I don't know as much of what's going on with the the conflict, right? So I'm kind of like, I don't really know what's really going on. I better educate myself before I say something type right. of thing. But um, I do work with a lot of Muslim owners. Mm-hmm. I support them and. I probably should ask them about what their opinion is, but I also know some Jewish owners and I'm friends with them. So I kind of want to talk to them about it. I just haven't gotten there yet. But my thing is I want to, before I support restaurants, I would like to get to know people. I met a restaurant owner who started ranting in front of me and started saying stuff like, those, just derogatory. those gosh damn liberals and you know, oh. like stuff like that. I'm oh. sitting there like, yeah. I don't know why you would say something like that in front of me. You know, yeah. like, why would you start putting down certain types of people? <laughs> right. Especially know? when you're a business owner, right? Right. But I think that's really respectful of you. It's very responsible at the same time. And I think it's fascinating because, you know, there is a, a huge sense of responsibility yeah. when you have a large following. Right? Exactly. Right. Because, you know, even being here today talking to me, you're not just representing yourself, but you're representing your brand. Right. And I'm very cognizant of that as well, right? So yeah, I say stupid yeah. stuff all the time, but right. I, try, I try to limit it or I cut it out. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things where, like, I, um, I need to... F- I have some power, I guess. You do. Like, so you that's why, that's why do. I don't do any negative reviews. Right. Because if I had a bad, trust me, I have bad experiences. That's like, what I wanted to ask right. you too. I'm sorry, I'm gonna let you finish. No, but yeah, like, yeah. Have you ever posted something that you no, haven't liked? I would never but do. But what it. happens when they reach out to you and they're like, "Hey, come in, sample our food," and mm-hmm. they're expecting that post, and you're like, "Yeah, sorry." Well, that's why I try to do a lot of things where I just go on my own and try it. Or you know what? I've been living in this area so much that there's so many places where I've already been there. Hmm. I've been to so many restaurants already. If they do reach out to me and say they want to work on telling people about their summer menu or something like that, I already know. You know, like I already know. I already know their food. I met the people. They're real nice people. Um, Then I would help them out, right? Um, But, or if they want to work on a paid job or something like that, we could work on it, work on that too. But if, a place has I have a bad experience with them. I sometimes will contact them personally and just say, "You guys got to work on this. Wow. You know, you should change that." Good for you. You know, Good something like that. And um, the truth hurts sometimes, so maybe they don't like that response. Well, yeah, no, they usually. It's just like me just being a, a customer. You know, you you know how you said that people a lot of restaurant Yelp. owners don't like Yelp. Right. Well, they would respect those people more instead of giving a one star saying. They put onions in my food when I said no. One yeah. star, right? Yeah. They would respect that more if they would have just reached out and personally and said, hey, guys, you guys put onions in again for the fourth time. Can you guys fix this issue or I'm not going to come back, you know, because of that? 
the rest it was all personal and the restaurant i'm sure the restaurant owner would say i'm sorry for this well you know, how do i make it up to you things like that okay instead of them threatening like i'm gonna write a one-star review you know if you don't fix this or something like that but um i did the same thing if someone said if i order something and they totally forgot half my meal I'm, I'm definitely going to say something, but I'm not going to go on my Instagram and go, oh, my God, this, they forgot to give me my uh, chicken wrap. There's yeah, people you know? out there, though, They'll that do are it. like that. Oh, that, my I think God, that's, I've seen it. I think that's where the genesis of the idea of the Karen comes yeah. from. Well, I've seen it with the food guys. <laughs> so food Instagram guys I've seen uh, around here that have some popularity they think they have a lot of power, and I've seen them say stuff like that Ooh. on their posts, Ooh. where they'll say, "If you know the manager better fix this or oh, else or something." That's know? gross. <laughs> that is really gross. So, how many of these restaurants have you been to? Do you keep a running total, just you know, for for prosperity, or or do you just have you been to all of them? <laughs> no, no, no. There's there's so many restaurants now. It's really hard to yeah pick. You know. If you really think about it, there's probably in Detroit and Metro Detroit, and I would say Metro Detroit within half an hour drive in from Detroit would be Metro Detroit. Mm -hmm. There's got to be about 3,000 restaurants. It, you don't think that, but just go down a street in Redford or Livonia and just look at all these restaurants that you never even and, heard of. And there's hidden gems, hidden gems everywhere, exactly. right? So the, the one thing I wanted to know is uh, you've been recently posting pictures of your face on your Instagram. And when I scroll back, it really wasn't there. So how, do, how did some of these restaurant owners recognize you? They do some deep research? <laughs> no, I mean, uh, if you look at my profile page, I changed it from a logo to my face. Uh, and that's then, right, that's right. And then if a lot of restaurant owners follow my Instagram story. Um, so funny because I um, sometimes think like, where do these? Re I'm my family owns restaurants in New York, so I know they don't have time for anything. How do they have so much time to look at my story? <laughs> because I can see who looks at my story, right? And then I'm seeing these restaurant owners look at my story. I'm like, don't you have work to do? Like, yeah. why are you looking at my story every time I post? I'm, I'm it, surprised you, know? you even scroll through. I mean, I do to a certain extent, but well, then you get so many people looking. I mean, I'm even talking up to like a hundred. I'm like, I ain't got time to look. No, no, this. I don't scroll through the whole thing. But sure. you know, the top twenty oh is people are people that you follow got back, yeah, right? Um, so they're yeah, your, right. they're supposed to be your real friends or something, and then that's what they show in the beginning. So I just kind I just kind of okay. When I look at to see my stats of my story, that's mm -hmm. you could see who's been like the top 20. Okay, I'm, I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to scroll through each person, you know, but that's, uh, that's one thing that's been an interesting phenomenon of, you know, starting this podcast is all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm really in the weeds with yeah. Instagram and, you know, the functionality behind it. And, you know, I sound like an old man saying that, but that's why my. my Have you been on TikTok? Can, uh, look, that's I, where you need to be. Really? Uh, yeah. I hate, I would start. I'm not gonna say I hate TikTok because I find myself it's kind of like a guilty pleasure, you know, watching it. But I'm like, how many times can I watch, you know, the person doing the same dance to the same so music? So exactly what you said was what I was saying in the beginning of TikTok. Hmm. So if you look at my TikTok history, I wasn't in. I was like, I'm not getting involved with this. I'm just too busy with Instagram and everything else, Facebook, and I. 
I resisted for a year. Yeah. So if you look at my uh, TikTok, I posted pictures of my um, videos of my dog, my trip to Puerto Rico, nothing to do with food really. And just recently, I would say two months ago, I had to make a TikTok for uh, I did a I did a um, paid job with Bedrock. Okay. A promotion with Bedrock. Mm -hmm. uh, they wanted me to promote one of their restaurants. So I said, okay. And under stipulation was that it's not just Instagram. They want me to post on, on TikTok. Mm. And I'm like, oh. I even apologized to them. I'm like, guys, my TikTok is just nothing. You know, I yeah. don't have any followers, barely. Did it blow up, though? Yeah. So I posted it. It blew up. Then I'm like, this is kind of cool. I posted, I made another, because I'm good at video editing. I know how to do this. I should have done this years ago. Yeah. But I had the same mindset as you where I said, it's just people dancing and it's stupid. Even though I watch it, it's dogs doing funny stuff, which I love. <laughs> but then what am I going to do? Because what my head was thinking was, if I post something about Detroit, what does people in Korea and Brazil care? You know, like, because it's all over the world. It's all followers from all over the world, I right? I think you'd be surprised, though. Well, not well, anymore. I didn't realize that the algorithm of TikTok is, like, the most incredible thing i ever seen in my life in social media. Their algorithm is so intense and good Ooh. that my posts, I posted for a restaurant in Monroe about a mess... Uh, in Monroe and all these comments are like I live two blocks from there and I just got this I wow. just got this wow. and I was in Monroe and I'm like their algorithm like knows you know like if I'm posting like I just posted last night about a place in Troy mm -hmm. if you read all my comments and this video was only 20 seconds long and it probably got 60,000 views already what? like that instantly what? and if you read the comments it says I live in Troy I live right by here. I'm going to go tomorrow. Dang, <laughs> so dang. their it, algorithm is crazy. And I think about what you said, you know, going back, you know, earlier in our conversation about five people. Right. You know, and you're talking 60,000. I think you should be a salesman for TikTok well, because you just sold me on it's it. It's because of the uh, Instagram algorithm is terrible. It's one of the worst things. I'm beginning to not like Instagram now. Yeah. That's why you, um, I'm kind of like not on Instagram that much anymore. YouTube is really good. YouTube is great, but YouTube is one of the hardest ways to reach people. Because I tried YouTube. Uh, um, like on YouTube, you could have the most awesome video podcast with awesome color grading, editing, music. And you're just not going to, because YouTube is not just putting it on everyone's for you uh, page or, right. or right. you know, when I'm into something, right? But TikTok, right now, if me and you did a video I was thing, just going to say, you can be then, my first TikTok. And I'm going to video you You right just now. take a one-minute snippet or half-a-minute snippet of me and you just talking about a, some type of Detroit restaurant. Yeah. I'll guarantee you, people are, say we're talking about our top two favorite restaurants or something in Detroit. I'll guarantee you that video would go viral in Detroit area. You got me so fired I'm up not right even now. Joking because I've seen it. Let's do myself. round two of this conversation. <laughs> well, because I've seen it, you know, like I've Amazing. seen it's, me and you would talk about, say, Lafayette and Coney, uh -huh. American Coney. Yeah. Like a little talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. 30 second video with a, with us doing a video two podcast. Two cameras. Boom, two boom. cameras. Yeah. I, I'll 
guarantee you all the comments will be Lafayette's better. Coney's right. better. <laughs> da, da. And that will throw the algorithm into for you page for everyone that's in Detroit. But beyond that, the beautiful thing is, is it lifts up those businesses. It does. But for you as a someone who you right. want people to listen, people go to your page, start following you, and go to your Instagram and other things because my Instagram got extra. Every time a video goes viral on TikTok, they go to my Instagram and follow because I'll put them in the ca- you know comment like follow my Instagram for more food suggestions. Got it. Got it. They'll start following. You're very me wise. You're <laughs> well, very I mean, wise, son. Did I you figure think all I, this out on your own? Yeah, but I think I'm stupid for not doing it earlier. <sighs> but I'm. It's not late for me because um, it's not too late. For it's you. not too late <laughs> because uh, I I realized that when me and my girlfriend would sit there and just look at TikTok all day or all night instead of being on Instagram, I'm like wait a minute, this is kind of like Vine back in the day yeah. where I would lose myself for like two hours on yeah, Vine. you rip through like 70 videos. So I'm realizing I'm doing that now from TikTok, right? Awesome. I would just sit there and take one after another, TikTok, 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 and sending it, sending funny things to my friends or fun, cool stuff, yeah. you know? My and, wife uh, sends me stuff all the time. Exactly. Like, I'm not watching this and then I watch it and I love it. <laughs> and no one's sending me stuff really anymore on Instagram and yeah. doing things like that. My algorithm in Instagram is so weird. One video will go viral and the next video will get barely any, you know. Yeah, it's so. a quirky thing. And, you know, I've heard from, you know, uh, other like important people like celebrities, you know, like out on the West Coast that it's just like even for, I don't know about monetizing, but yeah, I think they mentioned that algorithm. No, no, no. It, w- it was monetizing, like if you were to run a business or something like that. that yeah, Instagram yeah. really isn't the I've, best platform. Yeah. It's kind of... Right. Monetizing on it. Instagram is terrible. Yeah. Like it's... Um, well, first of all, TikTok pays you. So right now I've made 50 some $60 or something. It's not much. Right. But it's kind of like what they're doing is what like YouTube does. Hey, you man, know? with gas prices going up, that's a big <laughs> deal. Well, I mean... It's not, I don't go on TikTok for money because it's like even YouTuber, like if you had 50,000 subscribers on YouTube, you'll barely make any money. But it's more of, um, it gives you at least some some type of incentive, you know. On Instagram, the only way you can make money on Instagram is to paid work for other brands. Product promotion. Right. And then what happens is on Instagram, pay pay promotion stuff are usually the least amount of engagement because people know because you have to put the word hashtag ad or something like that you know and some people just get either mad or jealous or hateful about it but it's also disingenuous right so like you know who gary v is of course yeah so gary v uh you know he said this in one of his clips that i watched on youtube he said you know get your get your message out there let your audience know you know, what you're doing, get to a certain threshold, maybe like 3000 people. And then if you're going to promote a product, then do it, you know, at that point. But the problem is if you do it before that, that number Mm -hmm. or or whatever that is, Mm -hmm. you lose followers. And the reason why is you have to romance your audience, right? If you just, you know, throw out, you know, a bottle of booze and say, Hey, this is what I'm selling. This is who's promoting me. You know, all of a sudden your, your listeners like, eh, you know, I don't want to, you know, listen to a commercial or watch a commercial, right. you know. Just, you have to be very creative. Right. You have to be creative to the point where you're not deceiving them. 
like when I worked with Starbucks, uh, you do things like, hey, I'm in Chicago working with Starbucks. You just can't say, you know, you're, you just can't make it up. Like that's against the F, uh, FTC guidelines anyways. But when you work with a big brand, they tell you everything you're supposed to do or not mm. supposed to do. So, but you got to be a fan. So even when I worked with Starbucks going back and forth talking about what we're going to work on, I had to let them know, listen, I'm a fan. Like, I go to Starbucks now, you know, like right. I just went this morning. So if uh, I'm not a safe fan of, a, if I'm not a fan of them, I'm not, you shouldn't work with them because it just looks weird. It's going to be disingenuous. Because on my Instagram right? story, I did, before I even worked with Starbucks, I was posting about Starbucks. Right. Like, check out this drink I did or I love this Michigan bottle that they made you know so you're saying it is okay or it is not okay to say up front like hey i'm working with starbucks you should you're supposed to right right, right. because they give you the script anyways like you were saying but i mean in terms right. of being on the other end of that right you're but it's more of if like what you're saying about an alcohol bottle like for me i have been reached out by some alcohol companies and it's really weird for me because I don't drink that much. I mm. rarely post that much about drinking. Right. And out of nowhere, I'm like, check out this a vodka. You know, like I'm drinking this vodka tonight. Like that there's, doesn't sound like yeah. me. You know? and, and there's some weird nuance in there, too. Right. So like I, I would definitely love to promote a whiskey. Right. right. Because I, I drink and I like whiskey. Right. But then when I have like a recovering alcoholic on my show to talk about their story, it's like, well, that doesn't really jive. You know, <laughs> well, but really it, if people know that you are a fan of whiskey, then it makes sense to for you to post right. about something about whiskey. Um, I do like posting once in a while about margaritas or some cocktails or something. Yeah, but, I saw that. Yeah. Right. But it's not videos. like I'm sitting there like. Uh, I'm not going to post something that I'm not really into. You know, I've declined a lot of people that want to work with me. It just doesn't fit with my thing. Sure. I just got a thing from a DM from a guy who's a gamer uh -huh. and he's on Twitch and he's like, how much should I, can I pay you for you to post about me? I'm like, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to, yeah. how weird is it for me to say, yeah. Hey guys. They're, follow this gamer Twitch, then you know. People like, start calling you a seller. Well, I mean, it doesn't make sense, you know. So going back into beverages, you're talking about margaritas. So do you find that boba tea is like the new rage these days? And I uh, hold on, think about that answer because I wanted to tie that in with asking you what are some of these food trends? I find that boba tea is one of them. Is it spicy chicken sandwiches? Is it kimchi tacos? Is it these big milkshakes with like a donut over the straw? Well, you heard about the tapioca shortage, right? No way. So, uh, no. Yeah. So a lot of bubble tea shops are kind of like... They're sh struggling. They're struggling. Not struggling, but they're letting people know, hey, there's a shortage on tap, you know, bubbles and bobas. So uh, some place I think just recently posted like, we're, we might have enough supply until July or something like that. Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't know if they're raising prices or not. But in Michigan, so if we're talking about Metro Detroit, we're always behind. Okay. Uh, I would say about three years behind everywhere that's popular. Mm -hmm. uh, L.A., New York. Good example is the, uh, what is that donut? Croissant donut? Cronuts. Do you remember Cronuts? No. So in New York, uh, Dominic Ensel Bakery created this thing. It's patent, so you're not supposed to copy it, but they 
have a thing called croissant donuts. It's a donut made from croissant bread, right? Mm -hmm. Croissant filling or dough, dough. And it's huge, and it was huge in New York to the point where the, the uh, Dominic Ansel Bakery had lined out the door for like three hours. Dang. It takes three hours for you to get to donut, right? Dang. So I, years ago, I said, I posted on my Instagram like, hey, bakeries, make this, and I'll come. Oh. No one did it. Like, so one place did it was a food truck is a food truck that had cronuts and I forgot the name of that place now but another bakery started doing it like two three years later you know I'm like it's too late now yeah you missed it you <laughs> so, missed your window so the biggest pop, most popular thing in Metro Detroit now it's becoming birria uh, tacos mm -hmm. which is the uh, stew that you're supposed to dunk the taco in uh -huh. you've seen it probably on social media i have not actually oh i'm shocked you didn't see it because this stuff goes viral so everywhere in la all the food trucks taco trucks are doing it because it just goes viral wow anytime you see the video a taco that you dunk right it's beer beer is a goat stew uh Ooh. it's a stew okay uh that's traditional uh -huh. and i just recently went to a place that had it but the Americanized version or the California version is the beef. They'll put beef or chicken or whatever it is. I'm so hungry. <laughs> and they'll put it in tortilla with cheese. They call it quesadilla, quesadilla. And then they give you consomme, which is uh, like their soup. Okay. That comes with the tacos. Got it. And so what you do is you take this taco and you dunk it in the soup and then... When people see that, uh, they just go nuts, you know? Like, I'm, I get messages every day. Where can I get it? Where can I go? Where can I get this? And we are, we are finally getting taco spots and Mexican restaurants that are having it. Mm -hmm. But like I said, about two or three years <laughs> after, it's already popular in LA or New York. So uh, that's the new craze in Metro Detroit. Uh, of course, anything with crispy chicken spicy chicken is popular now yeah and i would say the other one is like you are right the bubble tea craze is kind of getting big but a lot of people i know don't like the who's never had it they don't like that feeling of the tapioca bubbles i love ta tapioca <laughs> i used to eat it like in a bowl when yeah. i was a kid as like a dessert i like it hey you were mentioning food trucks and i want to it, it triggered something with me um Will you do me a favor and check out my boy's food truck? Yeah. It's, it's called Poverino. Okay. It's spelled P-O-V-E-R-I-N-O. Okay. And it's Italian, and I think it translates to poor boy. Okay. But uh, the guy that owns it, his name is Nicola De Palma, mm -hmm. and I just had him on the show. Um, him and his sister, we did this uh, this short-form segment called Daily Detroit. Mm -hmm. And maybe I can make the connection between you and him. He's from Plymouth, where I'm from. Okay. And... Uh, He's really excited about it. He just started doing it. His family owns a restaurant called Nico and Valley. Oh, my and, God. Uh, that's one of my favorites. They're great. Wow. Yeah. And they're such beautiful people, too. I know it sounds a little cheesy, but just really warm-hearted people. I've only been there once, but I do, when people say, where do you, where should I go in Plymouth? I always say Nico and Valley. Yes. I love that restaurant. Yes. So good. It's Check really out my good. boy's food truck. So, and anytime so you're you telling come, me he has a 
food truck. He has a food truck. It's Italian. Where is um, it stationed and what kind of food? I'm gonna let I'm gonna direct you towards it <laughs> okay. because I'm not a salesman for but him. But what kind and of food I, is it? it you know? It's Italian, right? Well, but I mean, uh, it has to be fast food because it's in a food truck, right? It's so basically the way he described it to me, and you can go and listen to the interview. Mm-hmm. He described it essentially as poor food, poor food, okay. right? But that's where some of the best food that's comes my favorite from, right? Food, yeah, it's the best, yeah. right? I haven't had it myself yet. So maybe if we, we link up or if you go there, maybe we can go together and we can get some yeah. food. But uh, he just started it, I think, just recently, like in the past two months or so, he just got his food truck. But I can't emphasize what good people these people are. So I'm just trying to figure out what kind of food they can have that would be easy. I'm sorry, Nicola. <laughs> like chicken parm sandwich um, or some meatball uh, sandwich or something. or Cindy. Lasagna on a stick. Do you remember... Oh my God. I, well, okay, I I'll, I'll look it up. But I'm, I'm just happy that I can mention this in this yeah. conversation to you. And, uh, you know, you can explore something new. And, you know, I'd no, love sounds, to go with sounds, you for sure. It sounds interesting. If they have anything unique, I would be highly interested. Absolutely. So, yeah, uh, like cool. I said, I'll make the connection. So, did you but, grow up in Plymouth? Uh, so Canton. So Canton yeah. is, it's, it's, we always say it together like Plymouth, Canton, right? I'm five minutes from Nico and Valley. I went to Lowell Junior High School. In you went to Lowell? In which wow. they don't have, it's not a middle school anymore, or not, it's, look, but it's... Look, man, that was a rough, <laughs> that was a rough middle school. It was? Oh, yeah, it was a little... Well, you know, I was supposed little, to go some to... tough kids went there. I forgot which school I was supposed to go to, because I grew up in Canton. I went to... Um, That's awesome, dude. My elementary school was the one in Haggerty Road. Wow. It's Erickson Elementary. Okay. I was going to say, please say Hulsing, because I no, went to Hulsing. I went to uh, Erickson Elementary... Went to Lowell. Then I was supposed to go to either, at that time it was just two schools, Plymouth Canton or Canton, uh, Ch- Canton Chiefs and Plymouth Rocks, right? Yeah. Uh, because all my friends went to one of the schools. I've always wanted to go to Plymouth Salem. Salem. But um, now it's like four schools, right? That's crazy. Yeah. One yeah, of my, uh, like Plymouth and one of my friends is like an assistant principal there. So one of the schools, I forgot which one, but. Um, yeah, so you grew up in that area. I did grow up in the area. That's awesome. It was a very nice upbringing. Yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed it. And I spent a lot of time in Plymouth. And look, I mean, I, I've said this before, but I kind of position myself as a Detroit-based podcaster. Yeah. And I, I don't think there's any shame in saying I'm from the suburbs because we're all part of this larger gravity that is Detroit. I never understood. Okay, so the funny thing is I never understood the uh, where people get mad. If, if I'm from Lincoln Park which originally was from Lincoln Park, which is right next to, I, I, I live like six blocks from the border uh-huh. of Detroit on 4th Street and Lincoln Park, okay? Yeah. Just because of that border, I'm not allowed to say I'm from, not from Detroit. People are idiots. It's that weird territorial <laughs> neighborhood thing. But it's the, like, you know, relax guy. But the thing is, in the l- l- 90s, early 2000s, or even the whole 2000s, no one was even living, wanted to live in Detroit. Like, yeah, yeah. now, now it's it, a badge of honor. Oh, now it's def- totally different now. Right. But even maybe even 10 years ago, Detroit is totally different from what it is now. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. So back then, you rarely see uh, kids in their 20s, young kids in their 20s hanging out in Detroit. 
or they think it's cool. Everyone hung out in Ferndale, Royal Oak. Uh, those are like the places, hot spots everyone hung out in. Yeah. Or even downtown Plymouth. The ca- like Cass. Cass used to be the Cass Corridor. Right. It was violent, and there was right. there was a lot of seedy elements there. Even ten years ago, I would park anywhere in Detroit without issues. I would we would go to like St Andrews, or my friends nice. used to play at Jacoby's, and we would park anywhere we want, and we would say to people, "Oh, we're going to Detroit to see my friends uh, friends band play." And they're like, "Oh, Detroit! I'm not going down there," you know. And now if you go to Detroit, it's like everyone brags about how they're living in Detroit. It gives them some street credit. Or hanging out in Detroit. It's so different. All right. Well, look, this is a good segue into, you know, one of my final questions. Uh, We talked about Detroit here a little bit. Mm -hmm. But what does Detroit mean to you? Oh, I mean, it's... I hit you with that question. I I hit you with that question pretty hard. But look, I mean, uh, food is a big part of the culture here. Well, it's, it's pride. I mean... The thing about Detroit is that people dog on Detroit so much that mm-hmm. you actually have pride in that. Yeah. It's it's the opposite thing because it's, if everyone thought this was the coolest city on earth, then you might start to say, yeah, it's okay. You know, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's, I like this place better or something like that. It's kind of like we have that underdog feel always. <laughs> which is amazing because uh, Michiganders by themselves just would love to support anything Michigan. Yeah. Like when Stephen Young talked about Taylor, Michigan, which you know, I grew up in Downriver and I uh, worked for the city of Taylor back in the day. I coached high school in Taylor. So um, You're so cool, man. <laughs> no, no. When Stephen Young at the Oscars Did, just you, recently, did you know him? Did you ever meet him? No, no, no. But okay. he's, he lived, he's from Rochester, right? He, li- he went to Troy High School, oh, okay. but grew up in he lived in Taylor, too. Oh, okay. So he mentions that at the Oscars. Oh. So at the Oscar broadcast, he says when I was young, growing up in Taylor, Michigan, he actually says that. Awesome. Everyone's and like, yeah. If you go to Twitter, even myself, everyone went nuts. Like, ah, did he just great. say Taylor, Michigan? Hell yeah. You know? Hell yeah. And we all just support each other. It's not like that in, like, say, Georgia. When I go down to Georgia, you could, oh, yeah. you could say, this is Georgia-made product, and people are like, yeah, so what? Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. If you say it's a Michigan-made product, people from Michigan are like, Oh my God! You know, it's we gotta support this. So, there's a lot of pride in yeah. Detroit, which I love. I like which that. Is, which is cool. Okay, brother, music. So you talked about the shelter. Yeah, briefly yeah. Here, um, let's let's talk about that thing that is music and this thing that I think that's important and integral in all our lives. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I have favorites and things that I love to listen to. Uh, is that the same for you? You, for sure. I mean, now it's like I'm listening to stuff I grew up with more than like new music. I'm learning new music from TikTok. Yeah. That's how I learn about all the modern music because I'm using those songs for my background of my TikTok, yeah. right? But yeah, um, I'm huge into music. My friend, one of my best friends was actually signed with Kid Rock's label. Cool. So he toured with them and I was his photographer not Kid Rock's photographer, but right. my friend Ty Stone's photographer. Ty Stone? Yep. Right on. I'll check him out. And he's, uh, he stopped, he kind of does music still once in a while, but him, uh, and there was a group of guys that, you, do, you remember, do you remember Dangerously Delicious Pies? <laughs> no. You don't remember that? No. It's, it's, a, it's a pie company that was here amazing. in Detroit. 
That was owned by musicians, local musicians. Is he a singer, guitar player, drummer, bassist? Yeah, one of the guys' name is Dupe. Dupe. Yeah. Cool name. Just one one He's a firefighter in River Rouge. But uh, Dupe. He's a lot of uh, rock music, a little bit of a southern rock going on. I like that a lot. But my my boy Ty Stone is probably one of the best singers that you'll ever ever hear that's a bold statement i'm not man. even joking that's a bold statement as soon as I'm writing them down back Kai in Stone. 2005 2006 as soon as uh kid rock heard a cd he signed them right away damn that's how good he is damn yeah. so he toured with them a couple years um so i went on that tour too so it was really fun actually well do me a solid i'm making you a connection with uh the depaul my family yeah, yeah. make me a connection with uh ty stone i'll get him on the show and he should give he's, you some props. He, he's uh he's his story is amazing you'll you'll be fascinated with his story i love um, it yeah and that's what i want to do i want to talk to people like you who have interesting stories you know but yeah music is really important and um what kind of music do you listen to thank you for asking yeah you know, you're what do you, the what first you, person to ask me that. What are you listening now? Um, look, I, uh, I drive a lot for my job, okay. my day job, and so I bounce between hospital systems. Okay. And sometimes, you know, that two-minute song, it doesn't really, you know, it, 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 it doesn't, you get sick of it. You don't, you know, yeah. you just. So I've been listening to, I don't know how people are going to receive this, but Deep House Music. Like, uh, uh, there's this group called Above and Beyond, and, and they're like a, a three-piece. They have their own label, and they're gigantic. I mean, they have a huge community, yeah. if you're not familiar with, like, that genre. But, you know, I've been getting into a little bit of that, and it's just nice to just get into a groove, man. You know, as I've been getting older, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, totally hip to, you know, new new uh, pop culture music or what's mm-hmm. on TikTok, right? And in fact, a lot of it kind of annoys me to be completely <laughs> frank. But um, but yeah, look, I mean, I just I like being in a groove, into a mindset, into a feeling, and it it, it allows me this ability to kind of think and while I'm on the road, project about my podcast, questions I'm going to ask, people yeah. I'm going to have on, how am I going to have this conversation with you, you know, and I could think about, you know, my job or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's just kind of like it's a vehicle, it's kind of a conduit to going deep into myself. And and there's some fun music because that is that music that you're talking about doesn't have lyrics. No, barely. Right. barely. So it's electronic music, but it's not like right, right. It's just you know, it's it's deeper. It's got you know, it's it's ambient, more like all amb- the feels. Ambient. ambient. Look, I mean, you can put it on at any time if you're studying or if you go into a restaurant mm-hmm. or if you go into like a club. Right. It's just I hate to call it like background music, but it's it's, it's a it's Vegas great. lounge music. Kind of. I think you could kind of, you know, categorize I, that. I know what kind of music you're talking about. Yeah, you kind of, you kind of, you're picking up what I'm throwing down. Yeah, yeah, because that kind of music is best to listen to while you're studying or thinking, because with lyrics is what messes you up from thinking. I agree. So, um, I either, if I want to think and need to be creative, I usually listen to nothing in a car. Okay. It's total silence. Sure. Or. Uh, classical music like nice. recently i'm into vivaldi because of the movie portrait of the lady on fire which got me into like loving vivaldi you know so 
Oh, um, bro, his uh, uh, Vivaldi, was it Spring One? It was Summer. Uh, or, that was in the movie. Oh, okay. I'm not talking about the movie, oh, okay. but but yeah, I know what you're saying because yeah. I have a, yeah, I know some Vivaldi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, just classical well, I'm music. A little cultured, a little bit. <laughs> well, classical music really helps with your mind to think because there's no lyrics, you know? Yeah. So it just puts you in a different uh, mindset. But with lyrics and stuff, um, like, I grew up in 90s hip-hop and yeah, 90s too. music, you yeah. know, the grunge, grunge era. Music, yeah. I listened to... Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, I listened to late 80s stuff, you know. Uh, so, New Order is my favorite band. Yes. So, like, that is my favorite band of all time. It's something that I could listen to every day. Smiths, too. Yes. But even though I went to Depeche <laughs> Mode concert and stuff... Keep going, brother. <laughs> I can't listen to Depeche Mode anymore. I don't know why. Uh, yeah. I, went, I used to go to their concerts and stuff, but I recently just kind of like found their music to be not that timeless you know it's like kind of like outdated but good point with smiths and new order oh my god like, i'm a big fan of new order i'm gonna listen to some on the way home oh my it's, it's by far like i new order uh my favorite song by new order is regret that's a good one it's a great song and um my favorite might be temptation is really good that's one of my favorite songs but um, my dad actually loves New Order, too. You know, my, I, I'll tell you something interesting about my dad. We're talking about music. Mm-hmm. He owns one of the largest vintage vinyl and music collection in the world. <laughs> you might not want to say that out loud. I might cut that out because if You could go will... look at some of his work in New York. So we own restaurants in New York. My, my dad owns restaurants okay. in New York. It's called Turntable. Okay. There's other two or three three locations mm-hmm. if you go to turntable you'll see his collection part of his collection because everything is decorated and tastefully done so there's you go to like a vinyl restaurant now and they'll put like the record sideways uh-huh. it's so cheesy you know like yeah like they'll just show the vinyl sideways right you go to his place it's all like stacked this way so you can't see the cover uh-huh. but you see the side you know the little thin side uh-huh. and it's just like thousands of them everywhere wow. and it's he has like vintage record players vintage eight tracks vintage uh, reel to reel and his collection is like insane that's like a library of cultural heritage right there oh my god he's got so much he could open up a record shop in in New York and could be one of the biggest record shops Damn. in America. Wow. So he's opened multiple restaurants with it. There's even restaurants that he doesn't own that uses his collection. Really? Yeah. Okay. So um, I've grown up with a lot of music in my family. So it's like we're really into it. I like that. Yeah. Let's end that here on, <laughs> on that note. So, Song, this was an awesome conversation. Uh, thanks for coming in. Uh, before we get going here, where can people find you? Oh, they can find me. You? Yeah, I mean, uh, Child Down Detroit and all social media. Awesome. And they'll see my face on there. <laughs> awesome. Thanks again. Thank you. All right. Bye, people. Bye.